Hello, friends. This is Ian Khan, and today is August 6. It's a Thursday, and I'm super excited to be um, on this uh, Future Readiness live stream with a really good friend of mine, Dr. Jonathan uh, Reichenthal. Today is when um, uh, his new book, Smart Cities for uh, Dummies, debuts in the Canadian market. Uh, and there's a lot to talk about. There's tons of people registered for this. And uh, we're going to get started and talk about the emergence of smart cities. What do they really mean for us? Why should we care uh, why Jonathan wrote that book? And we're going to ask him some personal questions. Why did he write the book? And there's a ton of great questions that are coming along. If you're watching this, uh, then you're probably either on YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn Live or Twitter. And uh, please keep your comments coming. I can receive them here at the back end and we'll take questions as we go on. And uh, we're super excited to uh, to be here. Uh, let me do this. Let me introduce uh, Jonathan uh, as I know him uh, and uh, and how we met and and how he came into the picture and how I came into his uh, into into the picture as well. So Jonathan and I, we've worked on some really amazing initiatives over the last few years. Um, we've done some work with uh, the, the government of the UAE, United Arab Emirates, the prime minister's office in the UAE. And one thing led to the other. And here we are uh, collaborating on, on a podcast, on a live stream. Uh, when Jonathan wrote, started writing this book, I was really excited because the industry does not have a book like this. Um, yes, we have a lot of information about smart cities, but nothing that explains it to us in a way that he's done in Smart Cities for Dummies. And that's it. That's really it. Without any further ado, let me bring Jonathan on board and um, we will uh, take it from there. <laughs> Jonathan, welcome to the Ancon Show. This is the Future Readiness live stream, and we are debuting two things today. We're debuting a series that I'm uh, calling the Future Readiness live stream. This is all about future cool. readiness. What do you do in, in your business career life and so on? And also we're doing a Canadian launch for your book, which my friend we have right here as well is Smart Cities for Dummies. There you go. So all our viewers, this book is incredible. You've got to buy it. And I'll send you a link on this uh, in, the, in the next few minutes. Jonathan, tell me about yourself. Where did you sure. come from? Like, where? Who are you? Give me a background. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Hey, it's it's so great to to see you and to chat with you. Uh, yeah, I consider you such a great friend and uh, a mentor and an inspiration for me. So, so it's great to be talking with you today. Last time we spoke, I had you on my little podcast, Drinking Wine, Talking Tech, and that that was wonderful. You were talking about your uh, you, your new documentary that you're working on regarding artificial intelligence. Um, so thanks for the question. I'm, 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 by the way, just thrilled to be launching Smart Cities for Dummies in Canada today, uh, one of my favorite places and a, and a, and a country that I go to often. Uh, I go to Toronto a lot uh, and, and many other places. So um, it's, it's just a thrill and I, I hope um, uh, that I get to see many of my friends there again and colleagues. Um, so uh, some people, the first thing they recognize with me is my accent, right? Where they kind of try to figure it out. They, they think, you know, there's an American accent there, but is there English or South African in there? Um, and I'll tell you, I was born in Ireland, in Ireland, in Dublin City, and I grew up there. Um, I came to the United States as a, as a young adult uh, with a suitcase and a green card, and that was it. <laughs> no job. Um, no one, I, I, I did, when I got here, I did stay with, uh, some second cousins in Florida, but, uh, I was starting life anew and it was just, you know, back in my, uh, early twenties, it was a big adventure coming to America, you know, the land of Starsky and Hutch and the A-Team and, uh, Hill Street Blues, you know, and Sesame Street. <laughs> I'm showing my age a little bit there. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm a tech guy. And you know, been working in the tech industry in Ireland, and then when I came to the U.S., it was obvious that um, I was going to continue to be a tech guy. Uh, worked for a big consulting firm, Price Coopers, for a long time, uh, almost 15 years, I think. 
uh, and I had progressively different, you know, IT leadership roles. Um, my last job with PricewaterhouseCoopers, or today they're known as PwC, my last job was the director of innovation yeah. and a technology innovation. I got to say that that was like, um, you know, doing your hobby and getting paid for it. I say that a lot, but it, it's it's worth repeating because everybody should try to do the things they love and make it a profession because that that's a that's a good quality of life. And then I became a CIO with uh, O'Reilly Media, uh, working with Tim O'Reilly and his team. Uh, it meant I had to move from Florida over to California, and I was there for a couple of years. And then I got a call from out of nowhere from a headhunter. Uh, to come and work for government, and so I, I, um, I said, okay, let me let me uh, know more. Let, let explain to me what this opportunity is, and you know. And so they wanted me to be the CIO and you know the chief technology officer for uh, the birthplace of Silicon Valley, Palo Alto of all places. I thought that's an interesting place to work in government. Uh, you know, how could we leverage the startups and the Silicon Valley ecosystem to deliver government? better and differently, you know, and, and that's, I, I sort of embarked on a seven year experiment, actually, um, you know, running this, run, helping to run the city, uh, leading the technology efforts. Um, and I fell in love with cities. I basically fell in love with cities and I, I had the opportunity and such a privilege uh, to be invited to speak to governments all over the world to help them think about how they could deliver better services and improve the quality of life. And so that's and that's an abbreviated version of my story, uh, but those are some of the highlights. And you know that story, that that education I got in cities, and that passion that I grew for cities is now uh, manifested in this book. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I love how we're starting off, and we've already got comments coming in. I'm going to put one up on the on the screen. Lou says. I was about to say that you're dating yourself by mentioning those programs. Thank you, Lou. Thank you for that. And now we know. Now we know that you know dinosaurs are definitely extinct, and they just left one behind, and that's you. I remember being a kid in oh Dublin, uh, in Dublin, Ireland, and I was out in the in the backyard, what we call the garden over there. And my old, my middle brother Gideon uh, said, "Jonathan, come in." And I, I really, I must have been six or seven, maybe even younger. Yeah. And I, I ran in front of the TV, like, because he said, "Look what's on," and it was a show all of, just with puppets, just with puppets. And it was the Muppet Show. It was the first episode of the Muppet Show. And to oh, us, man. this was, this was joy. This was Incredible. fantasy land. Yeah, and I fell yeah. in love with the Muppets. Going, going back to those years, Jonathan, you know, X amount of years. 20, 30, 40, X, you know, that, that range of years. <laughs> Don't go we, too far. <laughs> you know, keep, I'm, keep, I'm being very conservative. Do you, I mean, we had a television set, right? We had a television set that was the center of life, maybe a radio as well. But no internet, no cable TV, no, no. Uh, smart devices. And I'm trying to think about the evolution of a smart city. There was no concept, perhaps of a smart city. I think cities were still struggling with basic infrastructure, electricity, power grid, uh, and, and a bunch of those things. Do you remember living in, um, uh, you and you lived in Dublin, right? Yeah. Do yeah. you remember life as a kid in a city, in the city of Dublin? What was life mm -hmm. for, uh, for you back then mm -hmm. in terms of city infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, let's give the audience uh, uh, a, a view into the time period. We're talking about the 1970s. Um, yep. So I, you know, I grew up in in the in the mid 1970s, and you know, now it's 2020. We just said 2020. That's almost 50 years, and uh, the world is very different, really different re in so many ways. Uh, you know, th th there was no notion of climate change or the climate crisis. Um, you know, the, the, there was, you know, China was a undeveloped country for the most part. You know, the, um, it, our, our, one of our favorite places, Dubai, uh, you know, was, was just a few settlements in the desert. Um, so, you, you know, the, the, and of course, the Internet arrived and, you know, electronics and, and, and the smartphone and now artificial intelligence and blockchain and others. It, the world is absolutely different from uh, the 1970s. Um, it, it, you know, I always think I, I 
feel I was very fortunate, but maybe every child thinks this when they ultimately grow up. You know, the the times were really quaint. You know, yeah. growing up in Dublin, it was. It, I always say I, I had a wonderful childhood. It was very peaceful. Um, even though Ireland had the troubles, you know, the yeah. unfortunately uh, the, the terrorism that was happening in the north of the country, for the most part, it didn't uh, impact our lives. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was. <laughs> Ireland is cold and rainy, and and all I remember are the sunny days running around outside. You know, as, as kids, we always think of the think of the nice times. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it is over the last forty or fifty years that as uh, more and more people have moved into cities. It really has become by 2008 the majority of humans now live in cities over 50 you know 55 percent now and so you know we went from being more of a rural world uh to an urban world and that's a great transformation that you know that the the future now belongs to cities our future uh, belongs to cities um so we what we've seen in the last 50 years is massive accelerated urbanization I mean, you think, look, look at a, if you get a chance, look at a picture of Shanghai in 1970, right? And look at a picture of Shanghai in 2020. I mean, it's in every way, it's transformational. Um, and, and this is not slowing down. You know, the, the urbanization of the planet is rapid. Uh, we, we have about, you know, three, up to three million, up somewhere between one to three million people per week move into cities. We're building the equivalent of 40 New York cities. So think about this statistic. We're building the equivalent of 40 um, uh, urban areas or urban infrastructure, the size of New York City every month, every month. These, the, the statistics are staggering. And we'll do that for the next 30 years. We'll do that for the next 30 years. So um, a very different world. You know, it, it's hard now to imagine we didn't have any mobility, right? Any, any cellular technology uh, that was widely available uh, no such thing as internet. Uh, again, my last point on this: when you know, as we entered the 1980s, it was my older brother David who was uh, the tech guy in the house, and he he brought the the Commodore VIC 20. There, I'm dating myself again. The Commodore VIC 20 into the house, and then yeah. the Commodore 64. Yeah, and um, we we hooked it up to the telephone, and we 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 would have dial-up bulletin services. You know, we yes. used Compus we used CompuServe. Um, and, and I just want to share one more thing because I think this will be a little giggle for a lot of, of folks. Yeah. Um, we could surf. We could surf an information system on the TV. It was called CFAX, C E E F A X. And it was funny. I, I was wondering uh, a few months ago whether it still existed. And yes, it is a it is a website today. Uh, but we we used the television remote to call up information services. Um, yeah. So a different time, you know, more a more what appears to be a quainter time. Amazing. I love it. And, uh, you know, I still, you mentioned the Commodore 64. I remember uh, my first interaction with a computer being with a BBC Micro. Oh, and yeah. uh, those are the computers we had in our, in our computer lab in our school. And we would, right. I think, get one hour or half an hour every week. And although we would just do basic, uh, literally basic multiplication and, and started playing Pac-Man on it afterwards, it was fascinating to see what this thing was. And I know it's been, you know, a few decades, 20, 30, 40 years since that era has passed. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that we've gone through a huge progression in terms of how we live, what is normal to us now. I mean, our devices, our cell phones, whatever you use, I don't think... Uh, anyone living in a civilized society with access to modern amenities, infrastructure, can be happy without these devices and technology as it is. Um, mm -hmm. Internet connectivity is now a necessity. It's a utility that, and we ex expect a certain level of minimum quality, like bandwidth quality. You absolutely expect it, and so we've yeah. gone. We've we've just rapidly accelerated. Um, this pace. Um, let's let's talk about your book. So, your book is incredible. The book is out. It's called Smart Cities for uh, Dummies and people like me and many others out there who want to know what right. exactly is a smart city. I think you've done an incredible job by by toiling away the midnight hours and and writing this book for the last few months. I know that journey that you've taken undertaken. Tell us about 
what how did you approach this book what did you think about when you started writing the book what did you think you were going to write about tell us about that process mm -hmm. yeah sure sure uh, and, and that's, uh, and I appreciate the question coming from a, an author yourself. You've had a couple of successful books yourself. Um, just, I wanted to comment on one point you said about connectivity, uh, and then I'll answer your question, which is, you know, you and I, and, and probably everybody, I would say everyone who watched this woke up and we had internet access. We probably checked our smartphone, right? It's worth noting that about 45% of the world, you know, about 3 billion people did not check the internet this morning because they don't have access to it. You know, we're, we're not a connected world yet. You might think we are, but uh, we still have a long way to connect the rest of humanity. And it's and we're not talking small numbers here. We're talking three, three billion people. Um, likewise, by the way, uh, not everybody has electricity today. You know, the project to, to deploy electricity, which started in the 1800s, is still ongoing. There's still uh, about 800 million people in the world, 800 million who don't have electricity right Staggering. now. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the building of good infrastructure, you know, uh, uh, making available uh, facilities and, and uh, you know, capabilities of a 21st century world are, are not evenly distributed. Uh, and yeah. that's a project we have to continue to work on. Um, so now getting back, back to your book, uh, you know, when I was at the city of Palo Alto, I, I certainly had an interest in writing, but um, I was so, uh, consumed by the work at the city, and uh, uh, I, I made a commitment that you know when I leave, I would I would really focus on on some writing. And just by complete coincidence, I was approached by Wiley. Wiley is a you know very well uh, respected large publishing company, global, and they they called me and they said, "Would you we we'd like you to write a book on the future of cities?" And I said, "Yeah, let's." That's exactly what I wanted to do, and. Um, later on, we, we 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 decided we would put it into the uh, Dummies series, which is a fabulous brand and a huge success around the world. Um, and my my goal was to write a book that didn't exist. You know, um, my my goal was to write a book that was uh, not theory. So you can buy plenty of smart city books. Uh, many of them are academic. You know, there's a variety of different types. But um, I wanted to write one that was a how-to guide. I, I wanted to capture uh, for people the steps you take, you know, to to, to build uh, a smart, smarter, more sustainable uh, community and, and city specifically. And so the book is really that that sort of product. I, I you know, each chapter is how to create a smart city strategy, how to deploy new technologies, how to create a innovation district you know uh what does climate change mean to cities and how do we mitigate uh, and you know, answer questions really sort of straightforward questions like how do we afford this stuff you know uh we we got to talk about procurement when we talk about uh investing in our cities um so i talk a lot about that about regulations and policies and uh important things like water right H how do we better manage that uh rare resource of of drinking water uh, the future of power, which was fascinating to me, you know, as we as we sort of traverse this uh, great global transformation from a, a carbon-based energy world to a, a non-carbon, more sustainable energy-based world. With, by the way, with solar and wind being, you know, dominant uh, players uh, over the next few decades. Um, so, it, w what it is 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 my attempt as an educator, which I fundamentally am to help people understand how we can build better cities so we can have a better quality of life. It, it's not a technology book, although technology is in it. it. It's actually a book about us. It's a book yeah. about people. That's really important. One, one of the things that, uh, that comes to, of course, comes to mind when you talk about smart cities is it might sound technical. It might sound a topic that, uh, you know, people like yourselves and other technologists might want to talk to each other about, but mm -hmm. it's, it's really about everyday living. It's really about how does electricity get served to you at your home and to understand the environment that you're living in, the infrastructure laid out and where we're headed. I always put a lot of emphasis on the fact that we have to become a learning 
um, a community, a learning generation where we're yeah. learning constantly about new things. And I think the book does an incredible job because it's, it explains really complex topics in a very simple format that everybody can understand. And we can see that success happening because there's mm -hmm. tons of pictures that you keep on posting of people with their <laughs> kids reading the book and, yeah. uh, and, and doing that. Yeah, so that's incredible. So I, I just want to add to that. I, you know, I wrote the book for everybody, but I knew that city managers, chief technology officers, you know, elected officials, you know, your typical sort of government uh, portfolio of people are going to be interested. But I've been absolutely blown away by how many children love the book. Uh, th this has been one of the biggest surprises. Um, it's it's a fun book. It's enlightening, and the, you know, there's lots of nice little pictures and diagrams and things. Um, you know, kids are interested in their communities and they're they're really fascinated by the, you know, the, the, the cities in which they live. So that, that's been a lovely, lovely surprise for me. Incredible. So time is flying. Jonathan, we've got to make the best off of this opportunity. Sure. I'm going to encourage all viewers to post a question, ask a question. Um, I see a lot of friends have tuned in and people from different <laughs> industries. Your question about your industry and its connection with the smart cities. Uh, uh, EVs, uh, urban transportation, healthcare, um, education, everything is connected with smart cities. What I also want to do, Jonathan, is ask you to maybe read a passage or um, a few parts from the book that you think we should really, um, that really fit in with the context of today and where we are. So I want you to do that. I also want to uh, talk about current events and its relationship to smart cities, Mm -hmm. And the entire, just so that we understand, hey, this is the world we live in. So let's start with uh, with current events, and then we'll go to the reading. So sure. in current events, we have things such as elections. We have a pandemic that we're fighting. The entire world is engulfed in it. Um, we also have a very tragic incident that has taken place in Beirut mm. just uh, just a day ago, where um, this entire dump off uh, ammonium nitrate just exploded it exploded and 130 plus people are dead so as a as a as a world we're dealing with multiple challenges not even mentioning the state of healthcare in places where people cannot access access healthcare less i think yeah. uh less i think um, about 2 billion people do not have access to basic healthcare in the world right so mm -hmm. that's kind of the state we're living in let's talk about current events let's talk about these three things Mm -hmm. Impact and connection of smart cities to safety of people, keeping that explosion in mind, uh, to the pandemic, uh, disease, healthcare. So give us an insight on what can, how does it connect? And maybe the third one, um, elections or governance, so that government mm. affairs. Help us understand the connection. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of stuff there. We want to um, we want to squeeze everything that you've got in your in your brilliant mind, my friend. <laughs> well, I'll certainly try my best. Um, let's start with the uh, pandemic, right? I think I think uh, on healthcare, um, we're early in this, right? So you know, we really started to emerge in a big way globally in March. We're now in early August. So it's, you know, it's, it's a few months, but it's still early. The, the consequences, the implications are, are not well understood. And we're certainly not in a place where we can see the, uh, the clear exit from this crisis. Um, so as we speak today, you know, we'll look back on this video. I, I want to be clear. There's a lot we don't know. Um, it, there's a lot, though, that uh, is, is, is becoming more evident around, uh, you know, working from home. A phenomenon in many countries that was not adopted now is being used, right? That that that's a difference, and it, it, the the um, the evidence suggests that that's here to stay. I, I, it, not maybe to the extent it is for everybody right now, uh, but clearly uh, working from home works. Uh, it's better for the environment. It's better for mental health. Uh, there's advantages all around. Some people want to go to the office. That's cool too. Um, things like delivery. You know, I think delivery is now off the charts. You know, every, you know I'm a person who um, I always went to the store to get groceries. And, and today I, I uh, have been ordering more groceries to be delivered. Uh, I was forced to. And then I realized, hey, it's actually pretty good. You know, don't have to do it always. But, 
if I'm in a bind or something, it's quite nice to get everything delivered to your doorstep. Um, you know, uh, remote medicine, uh, I think, is, is going to explode. Um, all types of distance healthcare is going to become a reality. The fact is, some of these things like, for example, virtual conferences, uh, delivery and healthcare uh, at a distance, they were underway. They were happening. And what we find with the, with the pandemic now is an, an, is, a, is an acceleration, right? So um, uh, there'll, be, there'll be lots of consequences that emerge out of that. If you have more delivery, you could have a better infrastructure for cars to, you know, for trucks to be able to park curbside and to double park and things like that. One of the things we have to recognize about our cities is, you know, we, there are lots of there are advantages, believe it or not, for people who are living in dense areas. I mean, for the most part, cities have actually been really successful, and and for the most part, people love their cities. Uh, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of really horrible issues that we still have to overcome. But people like living in these dense environments, and uh, that density is not great when you when when you when we think about things like healthcare, right? Uh, you know, er everything from, you know, uh, being exposed to violence to, um, you know, insufficient support for people with disabilities uh, to a contagion that, that goes from person to person. Um, this is an interesting exercise. It's a crisis and it's horrible, but we, we have to learn from this pandemic what it means to how we design our cities in the future. Th that, that's an open question. Um, yeah. Now, uh, couple other questions you what do we just uh, briefly remind me the other two uh, no that's incredible so that's the connection of um of course the smart cities on on things such as a pandemic and i'm wondering jonathan yeah. that in the future as technologies converge for example you've got the internet of things uh which is a sensor you know a dependent technology combines with the art with artificial intelligence uh and other technologies are we is it even possible to have a city that can prevent a pandemic? Can we mm -hmm. um, detect the outbreak of disease in a certain area or certain areas and somehow control it? What do you envision that looks like? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, well, look, with things like Internet of Things, which, as you described, is, is a proliferation of, of sensors in an urban environment or city IoT, um, we have a trade-off, we have, we, we, and we have a we have a societal debate about privacy versus you know the benefits, uh, and, it, and it's very cultural. You know, it depends what country we have this conversation in. You know, that there's countries that are much more liberal or uh, have a more of a kind of a top-down you know, governance in terms of their society, and others that are more democratic, more liberal, um, where people are pushing back and saying, no, we don't want that type of. Um, surveillance you know and 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 so th th this is we're entering a period a uh, uh, probably a a decade or so of debate about what we want to detect how we detect it what information we collect um and you know we're gonna have to carve that out as, as a people uh and, and we'll do it i think probably country by country eventually um there's there's no doubt i mean if you think about post 9 11 that that uh, horrific event that happened in new york um the terrorist attack uh, and other places, uh, you know, afterwards, there was a scramble to be able to figure out how do we uh, prevent that and, and this, this sort of military things we can do, but also, you know, how can we detect the, uh, whether there's explosive in a, in a train station or, or if there's a chemical attack and the chemicals are starting to, um, you know, uh, disseminate across a wide urban platform. Um, you know, we, we did put sensors up and, and some high risk communities have those sensors in place. So it's it's not a stretch to imagine that we could uh, begin to be able to monitor the spread of disease better. And frankly, we want that right now. You know, um, there, there's been some interesting work being done to use cell phone uh, locations to identify the spread of COVID-19. Um, one of the limitations, of course, in answering this question is we don't know what form the next pandemic will take. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, just like COVID-19 is novel, it's brand new. Uh, the next one will likely be novel, too. And, and, and we, we might need a different set of tools. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this just in, in sort of conclusion on this big question. Uh, you know, uh, more of us are washing our hands now more frequently and, 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 and stores and airplanes and factories are cleaner. 
that's always a good thing. That that was always a good thing, you know. And so I hope that we continue the behavior of being uh, more hygienic in in our in how we uh, go about our world and how we run our cities. Things should be cleaner, and 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 you know, uh, good clean environments um, are are not the friend of uh, bad you know viruses and bacteria. Um, and so we could you know just by changing our behavior in cities and uh, and and beyond, we could uh, mitigate as well. Absolutely. I, uh, I can see on uh, different networks, uh, you know, different people have logged in and they're watching. Um, sure. on, on one of, uh, on, on LinkedIn, I have a really good friend of mine who's watching us. His name is Vivek Sharnapa and he's in Bangalore, the India's sure. technology city. And I'm, yeah. I'm giving him a shout out right now. Um, I know he's in um, the transportation industry working on a product or technology for urban transportation, last mile transportation. Yes. What road does, what is the future of transportation and electricity driven transport play in smart cities or future cities? It's an evolving area of, of a huge interest. Look at Tesla, uh, an entirely uh, electric car that's blowing everybody's mind. Uh, because of the um, incredible success that it's had. So mm -hmm. help us understand that a little bit, the, the future of transportation. Oh, it, it's, a, it's a, an amazing topic. And today, I would argue uh, transportation is probably one of the top four most important uh, areas of, of smart cities. And, and, and if you're wondering, the other three are you know, sustainability, uh, energy, and digitalization. So th those are the, my top four. Um, and that'll change over time. But transportation, it's a biggie. Uh, you know, let, let's set the stage a little bit. Um, first of all, cars have been incredible, but they've also been a bit of a disaster, right? They've been a disaster because we've built our cities around cars and not around people. Um, we've, um, we've created a lot of accidents. You know, uh, it's a horrible number we don't talk about, but uh, about 1.4 million humans die in car accidents every year around the world. And, and millions more are injured. Um, our cars for the last hundred years have been spewing out, you know, carbon exhaust into the environment, and that hasn't been helping. And you know, again, transportation is the is uh, about thirty percent of the um, uh, climate crisis uh, source. Um, so, uh, and, and then you got things like, you know, in a, in an urban area, in a, in a dense sort of downtown area, you know, thirty percent of the cars that are causing congestion are just cars looking for a parking space, right? <laughs> Anywhere from 20 to 30%. Um, and because we don't have enough parking spaces and we have horrible parking lots. And uh, our, our city landscape is, in some cities, 60% of, of a city is uh, paved over just for cars. And that's everything from roads to bridges to, to, to parking lots. Um, so it, it's a really big deal. The good news is we see a lot of action in the space. We see everything from uh, electrification of, of vehicles, and, and that's happening quicker than we thought. Uh, some countries have actual target dates. So, you know, in Scandinavia, uh, even even this decade now, they 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 want to wind down on their their uh, combustion engine cars. Um, in in Norway, for example, uh, we just passed the point where the majority of new cars sold are electric. That that's a really huge milestone. Um, Germany has, you know, 2035 approximately, UK 2040. Yeah. Uh, India even has a target of 2045 for the last combustion engine car to be sold. So this movement to electrification is a big one. Yeah. Self-driving cars, they're coming. AVs are coming. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate still, but uh, I'm going to go on the record and say uh, within, within a certain period of time, and I'm, I'm not ready to give a date, um, we will be transitioning rapidly to cars that drive themselves. We probably won't own cars. Yeah, they'll be they'll yeah. be on. You know, and makes perfect sense. And with with, with without being um, too supportive of the technology of the movement uh, of smart cities, I really believe that the the evolution of cities being smart has a lot of different moving parts. And I really believe this is where entrepreneurship startups can really focus on finding niche areas, finding applications where they can solve a problem 
make things more efficient, um, help with making these cities smarter or, uh, you know, for the lack of better words, smart cities is amazing, but there's much more to it than just a city being smart and intelligent. I yeah. think we are encroaching on an opportunity to, uh, and this is given the pandemic era that we're living in. I, I know a lot of people are, are depressed. A business has been devastated and, and everybody's trying to figure out a pivot. My recommendation to people out there is pivot to thinking about where we're headed. We're headed towards the era of smart cities, maybe in the next two, five, 10, 15 years. Every city is automating things to a huge extent. Go to your city, look at what's being automated. What is the city planning to do 10 years from now or 15 years from now and start investing your time, energy, and effort in that direction? And I think mm -hmm. that could be an incredible opportunity for anybody to, to, to create a disruption-proof uh, opportunity to, to serve the world. Yeah, you say that very, very well, and, and I'm 100% behind you. That's exactly what I see. Um, you know, as you think about the needs of cities going forward, they're, they're expansive. They, you know, everything from healthcare to education to buildings, transportation, digitalization, public safety. I mean, it, the, the, the list is extremely long. All those areas need reinvention, they yep. need new technology, and they need new entrepreneurs, as you quite rightly said. I, I'm a very active um, advocate and, and actually an advisor uh, in this space, and the opportunities are great. I, I would advise people to, to, to explore and, and, and to support your comments. Uh, look at it as a, as a tremendous employment opportunity and a business building opportunity. Yes. And I think one of the, uh, the, the one of the many lessons that are coming out of this COVID-19 pandemic uh, is, first of all, it's, it's really big news because it's never happened in many, many generations. So we all are dealing with it. And we must learn from the disruption that it has caused and think mm -hmm. about what can we create that's disruption proof. And that's true entrepreneurship. So I'm I'm all for it. Uh, I, I love where this is going. We have a question and I want to put that up. So Lou is cool. engaging incredibly. I love it. Lou says, do you have any concerns about the extreme negative consequences of these technologies in the wrong hands? Uh, for example, China's use of AI and so on and so forth. And I want to go back and also ask and talk about COVID-19 era. Uh, I do apologize, but we are living in that era and that's so relevant right now. Of course. Of There's course. also been a debate that apps that track you to figure out which areas have the pandemic and have you been affected. And there's many apps that have come out that governments are using to track people. We have to make a choice. Do you want to know if you've been affected versus, hey, this encroaches on my privacy. Help us understand what individuals should also think about mm -hmm. when you know, touching these technologies at a personal level. So first of all, let's answer Lou's question. Yeah, so um, so he asks about, am I concerned about the negative consequences of technologies in the wrong hands? Uh, I mean, something we've learned as humans, anytime we build something or make something that has benefits, there'll be some person or, you know, organization that will use it for, for the wrong reasons. Um, as, as the technology gets more sophisticated, more global, the ability to cause harm grows too. So yes, I, I have uh, real concerns about that. Um, we, we are dealing with these phenomena, the phenomena of new technologies, using old laws and regulations. So the, the rules have to uh, catch up. Um, we're also involved in, in a significant global um, technology race. Uh, AI is at the forefront right now. Uh, you know, uh, China wants to be dominant in this, and 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 we're working hard here in the U.S. and and, and Europe. They're working hard. <clears throat> the the countries or the country that dominates in AI <clears throat> will have a significant advantage, and 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 could take, you know, uh, extreme advantage of that in ways that would be not positive for for others. The other race that's uh, underway that we don't call attention to is the race to quantum computing. Um, yeah, AI is awesome, um, but AI plus quantum—that's uh, that's a new world. That that's a that's a fourth industrial revolution type uh, uh, emergence. So um, 
uh, no simple answers other than we have to be more conscious than ever before and have more rules that make sense. Not not rules that you know limit innovation because I'm against that. But um, let, let's be aware that these technologies are allowing all sorts of players to ha to have new entry points. Getting mm -hmm. to the privacy point, I am particularly concerned about privacy in smart cities and, and, and just cities in general um, because it's not always the priority, right? It, it can come sometimes come as an afterthought. Um, so we're embracing, cities are embracing these sensors for things like uh, counting traffic, which is, a, which is important, uh, things like air quality and, and noise detection. And these sensors are actually quite valuable. They're going to help with autonomous vehicles and drones and other new technologies that start to come. But we're so excited and we're so eager to deploy the technology, we're, we're sometimes lacking in the diligence we need around protecting people's privacy. And that often comes later, but comes, right? Uh, no, cities need to be thinking about this right now. Like, what are the preemptive privacy uh, uh, policies and regulations that you need to put in place uh, to be able to get all the advantages of this tech, but but also protect people? Um, the tracing, the the COVID tracing. Um, you know, hopefully this is temporary. I really do hope so. Um, you know, we we all have to ask ourselves. It, it, it's it feels as similar to maybe. Well, there's a difference, of course, but but wearing masks is in the category of things we can do to help solve this crisis. If we do a few things collectively together, we can get beyond this crisis quicker. If we have holdouts and people who just don't agree with mask wearing or social distancing, we're just protracting the problem. So the, the, there is a, there is a bit of energy behind, you know, let's make sure these COVID apps are 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 definitely protecting people in terms of their privacy. We, we got to do that, but let's use things that help us get through this crisis quickly so we can get to the other side and get on with our lives. Thank you, Jonathan. Let's go to the book. Um, yeah. We do, we do have a little bit of time. So I've gone through the book. I've, I've browsed through uh, a, a lot of it. Uh, read us something that you think pertains uh, to the era right now or uh, a portion that's, um, you know, that, that is close to you. Close to your heart. <laughs> Did you? You didn't have a particular uh, section in mind yourself. No, I like um, the, the 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 list of tens that you have. Here's ten things. Uh, yeah, those are those are very nice and uh, interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's take a look at that. Um, just for the listeners and viewers, I'll I'll read a few of them and I'll and then I'll choose one. Um, so I've got two sections that are called the list of tens. Um, in fact, uh, the dummy series calls it um, the uh, they call it the, uh, the part of tens, and, and you'll find that in every uh, uh, dummies book. And I got 10 smart city pitfalls to avoid. So these are things that cities should not do uh, if they want to be successful. And the other one is how uh, 10 ways cities will define our human future. Um, and underneath that one, I think I'll do one there. Um, <clears throat> so I've got things like most people will live, work, and play their entire lives in cities. Uh, the increasing demands of sustainability will shape human behavior. Uh, crime may be reduced significantly. Uh, I wish there was a voting system here, then people could vote on what they'd like to hear. Um, and let's see. Um, let's say the way people and goods move will continue to evolve. Let's do that one. All right, that's page 303. Let me go there. This is fun. This is my first virtual reading. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, so I'll try to, it's a relatively small. Uh, <clears throat> one of the most visible ways that cities are changing in front of your eyes is a number of new forms of transportation that are suddenly shuttling around people and goods. The roads and sidewalks of the urban world were already replete with a variety of transportation modes, from motorized tuk-tuks to pulled rickshaws, from horses to rollerblades, and from convertibles to light rail. Humans have found a multitude of ways to get around. Culture, cost, and geography in each city play a big role in shaping the options offered. It seems that we're far from done. Automobiles, now dominating the city landscape, are, the cell, are themselves in a period of change. Increased interest in sustainability is literally driving the, the growth of electric-powered vehicles. Still a niche, but rapidly expanding electric cars may dominate in the second half of the 21st century. 
Hydrogen as a fuel is also gaining interest and buyers, it's, it's gaining interest in buyers, but it's too early to know whether it will have long-term traction. Uh, the emergence of self-driving vehicles or, turning the page, <laughs> I realize now this is a long section, so maybe I won't read it all. I'll just read another paragraph. Uh, or the, our full autonomous vehicles, AVs, is gathering speed and all car manufacturers are betting on a vast AV future. It will be too narrow to consider AVs only from the perspective of self-driving. They have the potential to change everything from reduced congestion and accidents to insurance disruption and reinventing city design. Let me let me pause you for a second. And I'm, I, I, I was going through the same sentence myself. I really believe self-driving cars, again, as you've written, is a, such a tiny portion of, of this entire transportation revolution that's upon us. You're looking at rail trans uh, as a transport and the transformation of that uh, into electric powered or maglev powered or whatever powered. You're looking at hyperloop technologies that are coming in. Yeah, Airlines industry is a very heavy fuel consuming industry and um, that has to change as well. But how does how do you use battery technology there? Right. You're flying and your battery finishes and you're like, OK, I'll see <laughs> you later. Like there's many, many things that need to be figured out. And I'm just seeing all the opportunity in all these different areas. Um, I want to give a shout out to the city of Dubai uh, and also to the UAE in general in having a very progressive um, approach on urban transportation. I was lucky enough last year to work with uh, the Regional Transportation Authority, RTA, on a, on a workshop, um, and they are doing projections on the future of transportation by the year 2070. 2070, then that is the centennial year for the UAE, is 100 yeah. years the formation of the UAE. Progressive governments are already looking at the next 50 to 100 years of where they will be, right? So we're not, let's, my point is, let's stop looking at, at what has happened and look forward, get engaged with your city leaders, get engaged in your industry, with thought leaders, thinkers. There is just so much opportunity uh, that you, you've got tons of work to do, uh, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. and um, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and, and I, I go even further. Um, I, I do. I write a lot about urban innovation and entrepreneurs and opportunity, but I also have a whole section on how anybody can get involved, right? So, you know, if, if you're a teenager and, and, and you're fed up, you want to kind of help change your city. If you're a, uh, you know, an older person who's retired and maybe wants to contribute, I, I actually discuss a lot of the ways that you can help, meaningful ways and and, and actual doable ways that you can help your city evolve and be better. Uh, so so it, it, that guidance is in there. Yes, we. I, I want to put a question up as well. And uh, sure. thanks to all our attendees and viewers who, uh, uh, you know, make these uh, things possible. Noor says, Noor has joined. She says, hey, guys, good day. And this book is great. And smart cities are absolutely awesome, uh, self-sufficient and so on. But do you think this will be achieved soon? Like when will these smart cities happen? I know you have a great answer for this, Johnson. <laughs> oh, I hope so. You know, the, the couple of thoughts come to me when I when I think about this question. It's a good, it's an important question. Um, the, the first of all, can you imagine a day in which a city would be finished? Right, the, the notion that you build a city and you're like, I'm done, right? we're done. That doesn't really exist, right? So cities are in a constant state of evolution. So I have a little bit of difficulty sort of thinking about like. You know, an endpoint to a, to a smart city, right? Um, I, I want to. I, I I think it's a constant evolution. So you know, a, a wave of new innovation like IoT and autonomous vehicles and drones and uh, you know, send different ways to to ensure that you know we have uh, no leaks in our water systems. Those will happen, and then probably within a decade or two, another wave of new technology, maybe powered by quantum and and the touchless economy, will emerge. Um, so we're there isn't really sort of a an achievement date, right? There, there is this idea of, you know, ensuring that we we are able to address current concerns and also invest uh, in, in the future. The important thing, and I think maybe this is what you're alluding to, Ian, when you said I had the right answer or, or I had an answer for it, is that smart city missions and visions are 
specific to each city, right? And, and that's an important point. You, you, and that's why it's difficult, by the way, to have standards and even a benchmark, because what's important to Bangalore in terms of what their needs are to increase the quality of life, the needs of Bangalore might be very different from Dubai, which might be very different from Moscow in Russia or Melbourne in Australia, right? So what those those sort of the goal of reaching or, or trying to achieve smart city, smart and sustainable objectives is going to be very dependent. Um, you know, so so maybe you know for Nur the question it's a great question. It's let's pick a let's pick a city, right? Like so, if you're if you're talking about uh, you know Delhi, w when will Delhi be smart? Well, let's first define what that means. Let's the, let's look at the journey, and so it, it really depends on the city. It depends on what we're trying to achieve, and ultimately it will be ongoing. We're also it's it's also very important, uh, and this is going back to the session we had uh, a couple of months ago, Jonathan, on smart cities, and we had other participants in that live stream. Um, uh, you know, city of Amsterdam uh, was was one of the participants, uh, and uh, we heard uh, you know the smart city index. We had somebody from uh, from that index who talked about how much. Uh, you know where that index is and how smart are some of the cities. So I, it's a process, and those are some really incredible resources to look back at. Um, and viewers today can go back to our, my live stream history and look look at the one on smart cities and and mm -hmm. try and understand that it's much more complex than just reaching a goal, uh, as you said, Jonathan. But but reaching a a, a state, um, a consensus on certain things, and then continuing to build. I want to ask you about buy-in. How important is it for cities to have a vision and to the buy-in from different parties involved? Do you talk yeah. about that in the book a little? I do. I do. Now, you have to remember, I'm a practitioner. I did this, right? Yes. I did this for a living. So I'm not coming from a place of theory or, or just, you know, I went to, to a library and, and sort of researched this. Um, I actually did this work, and I and not only did I do, do with... Uh, 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 a city in Palo and, and Silicon Valley, but I helped cities all over the world. So I saw common challenges. Uh, I, I, I saw what worked well, what didn't work well. And yes, I, the goal was to put this in a book so that everybody could benefit from the experiences of cities around the world. Probably at the top of the list of that journey, when the city decides, you know what, we need to begin to apply uh, new technologies we need to reinvent how we're doing things. When they start that mission, and that, that really is the journey to a smarter, more sustainable community, um, it really begins with leadership. And, and I talk a lot about this. Uh, who, who, is the, who are the leaders who will champion this? The abs By the way, the absence of leadership is, is the beginning of the recipe for failure. right? If, if you don't have one at least, or you should have multiple champions who are in a leadership position in your city, um, there's a good chance it, 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 it'll, I, at, at best, it'll, um, it'll bump along. Uh, at worst, it'll fail. Um, yeah. So it, it starts with leadership. And then you have to have engagement. You have to have community engagement. Um, so that, that question of buy-in, oh, it's so huge. So, and I learned this with the things we did badly, and I learned it with the things we did well. Yeah. Um, you, you need to get all voices yeah. as best you can uh, at the table. Um, and the good news is now with uh, you know now that we're collaborating online and we were beginning to do that anyway, um, you can bring in lots of different voices, you know, uh, from not only from your city but uh, even outside uh, stakeholders and academics and and uh, you know smart people who've done this before. Um, you should have a uh, groups of people, committees, and groups of stakeholders who meet regularly and help to uh, steer the project, uh, the smart city effort, smart yep. city vision. Um, so uh, I can't, it's hard for me to think of, you know, something else in the top three that would, you know, beyond uh, making sure that uh, buy-in is, is fully addressed early if, on. If there were a city, Jonathan, that you would ask, and we're heading towards the end of our time here, sure. um, I, I would love to talk, continue talking to you, but, but I, I think you have uh, other things scheduled. And we can do this again uh, in the oh, future yes. as well as a part two in a, in a series. If there were a city that you can help uh, our viewers understand 
to follow, to look at, to study? What would be some of the top cities that are your favorites uh, when it comes yeah. to smart city development? You know, it takes many forms. Uh, and I have an appendix uh, in, in the book that lists uh, a lot of cities all around the world on every continent, um, I think except for Antarctica, uh, that, uh, you know, personify good work and, and uh, you know, it, it gives good examples. Um, you know, so you might think, for example, that uh, I'm going to talk about a city that's really tech-centric. Well, uh, look at, for example, some of the work being done in Mexico City uh, to convert highways into parks. That's pretty smart. P people need more green. We need more trees or what we call urban forests. Um, you know, th that's good just for the air and for also, by the way, for reducing heat. Um, but people like to go with their families to these green areas in, in, in cities. Cities with big green spaces and parks uh, are healthier cities. Um, so, you know, Mexico City has a, has a plan and they're, they're, they're moving underway to pedestrianize and, and, and put uh, uh, parks into where there were big arteries, big transportation arteries. To me, I like that. Look, look at what they're doing in Mexico City. Very, very smart. Um, you know, you can look at, for example, uh, uh, Rio and, and uh, where um, you have uh, poorer people living in the favelas in the hills. And one of the reasons why they continue to be in poverty is they can't reach areas of employment because it's, it's too far away. So they've been putting in place these gondolas to allow people to quickly get from the favelas to uh, areas of employment. That's smart. I, I think that's really cool. Um, one of the things, uh, Jonathan, sorry, one of the things that yeah. um, I, I, I want to also reinforce is that a smart city is not necessarily uh, the, you know, the over in installation of technology in a right. city. It's definitely connected to it. But um, one of the things that comes to my mind, you know, going back to my favorite city of Dubai is um, things such as uh, the Emirates Government Service Excellence Program that you and I are both kind of we touch upon. Yeah. And the fact that governance has to have a strategy and a philosophy mm. of being number one. You've got to, and then technology can play a part in in in, in executing that vision. Uh, mm -hmm. My question to you is: What's your comment? And we're finishing soon. What's your comment on techno non technology, non technology in creating a smart city? Well, uh, to be brief, a couple of things. First of all, an engaged community. So, you know, uh, the f I, I make this point in, in a lot of my teaching, a lot of my writings, is the future is not a, a spectator sport. You know, the, the, the future is about participation. And people have now the ability to be engaged in the community. So smarter communities are those where people are active. People are uh, embracing their democracy, their they're uh, contributing to ideas and contributing to debates. And you see that uh, in, in, in communities uh, all around the world. That's, that's a big one. Um, governance, I, and I'm glad you brought that up again because I, I realized you asked me that earlier and I didn't answer it. Um, good governance. You know, the United Nations writes about this a lot, about the value of good governance that, that enables a more peaceful, less violent, uh, more kinder uh, uh, community when you have uh, structures in place with enforcement and with people who respect the processes. So, um, you know, you, you, we need to have cities that uh, are um, engaging for people and people who are prepared to uh, step up and, and be active. Incredible. Jonathan, hey, I can't thank you enough. Time has flown by. The last hour has just gone by. Uh, and Andres has uh, put in a comment there. It's up on the screen about Bogota. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a revolution happening everywhere. And your book, I believe, is has happened at the right time, uh, in the right era. We all need to read this book cover to cover multiple times, make notes, <laughs> and share that knowledge with people in our community, at our work, in our department, in our group. Because I think collectively, if we all are on the same page, we can understand the vision that we are chasing or our cities chasing or our communities chasing. It just helps create better business, do things in a different way. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, I cannot thank you enough for being part of uh, the future readiness live stream um, that we've had today about smart cities. 
Uh, congratulations again on Thank launching you. this incredible book and working with Wiley and coming out with this. We are we're looking forward to get looking at more books from you, by the way. So this is <laughs> not finished yet. Um, no. Help us uh, help our viewers uh, with uh, your online courses, where they are available. I know you're doing a ton of them and they're all mm. great. Uh, what topics are they on? Uh, where sure. can we buy the book and where can we find you? Okay, thank, thank you for that. No, again, Ian, thank you so much for doing this uh, and for giving me the platform, uh, particularly in Canada, uh, to uh, share uh, my insights and thoughts. I wrote this book to be a tool, to be an educational uh, platform. Uh, that was my driver. And so I'm, I'm so thrilled that it's a bestseller and people are embracing it. Um, in Canada, you can find it on you know Amazon's Canada site. Uh, but you can also find it in your popular or, or you know, local store as well. It's, it should be in bookstores all over Canada as well. Um, if you would like a signed copy from me, I, I, have, I can uh, do that. I can arrange that directly. So just reach out to me and um, I'm happy to sign a copy and send it to you. Um, the uh, way you can do that, I'm very active on Twitter, as you can see with my Twitter handle there. Uh, on LinkedIn, you can get me on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can also see uh, my reichenthal.com website where you can uh, get, get in touch with, with me as well. Um, I do a lot of online training, that's true, uh, I, I, particularly with LinkedIn Learning. Uh, so if you have a, a LinkedIn account with premium access uh, or you have a LinkedIn Learning account, you can see my courses on there. Everything from one of your favorites, Ian, blockchain uh, to quantum, uh, data governance, and of course, smart cities. I just completed and released a new course on X as a service. Everything as a service is the future of business. Uh, and that's doing really well too. So uh, that's a few ways. Uh, I write for Forbes. You can see my articles in, in Forbes Media as well. Uh, and uh, well, thank you again. Thank you for this platform, Ian. It's really great to be here. It's been my pleasure, Jonathan. And uh, your website is uh, reichenthal.com. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, just okay. my last name.com reichenthal.com folks please buy a copy of smart cities for dummies and send jonathan uh emails and congratulating him on an incredible job that he's done thank you everybody for joining us online on this live stream a recorded version will be available forever to be watched on youtube and other platforms uh for now saying goodbye to all the viewers and jonathan you hang in there um saying goodbye to all the viewers uh, this is Ian Khan. Uh, check me out on iankhan.com and the work I do. Uh, and thank you so much, Jonathan. And we wish you all the best. Thank you.